Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where we chat with startup founders just like you from all over the globe. Each episode, we bring you practical and actionable tips to help you escape the cubicle and begin your own startup journey. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. Here's a quick word from our sponsor, Podbrand Media. As a business owner, new sales leads are essential. At Podbrand Media, we create a branded podcast for you to generate those leads by interviewing your best potential clients as subject matter experts. Not only creating great rapport, but also great content to share in your industry. Affordable and effective. Contact us today at podbrandmedia.com to learn more. We are back on Rising Tide Startups. I want to introduce my special guest today, Ron Ross. Ron, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me. So we just got a really quick opportunity to chat before we, we got on here, but uh, I told him that that was one of the best backgrounds I think I've ever seen in, in almost 300 yeah. episodes. So <laughs> thank uh, you. Mrs. Ross is going to get a shout out on the podcast today for, for her design skills. But Ron, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Hi, I'm, I'm Ron Ross. I'm the uh, co-founder of Every Incorporated. And that's spelled E-V-E-R-E-E. -E -E. And Every is a payroll platform that makes it easy to onboard, manage, and pay workers fast. Our focus is to help businesses pay their workers what they earn as they earn it. And we even uh, provide credit to businesses who want to pay workers faster, but they don't have the cash flow to accomplish doing that. So we have a very unique solution that's focused on getting workers their pay fast. So the I'm going to show my ignorance here. It's, it's almost like payday loans meets, you know, an accounting firm here. But I, <laughs> I know that. what So what was the what was the like itch you were trying to scratch? What was kind of that that epiphany moment that you you noticed? Hey, there's a problem here in this industry. Sure. I think to um, explain that, it would make sense to give a little bit of background about me, and then um, that will kind of fast forward to that epiphany, like you mentioned when that happened. So my background is I'm a, um, prior to starting Every, um, I was a CFO, and I worked in growth companies and startup companies. And so uh, I became very familiar with um, payroll and in most of the roles that I had, HR would report up to me. And so I would either be doing the payroll myself and using different softwares. And I've used a bunch of them during the mm -hmm. course of my professional career. Um, in the last company that I was in, um, my daughter, uh, Eliza, uh, left home to go to college. And this is in the summer months of 2017. And again, I was a, I was a CFO at the time. And, and uh, when she left home, uh, she lived off campus and it wasn't too far away. It was about a half hour away from our home, but, mm -hmm. um, she was off on her own. She lived off of campus and had some friends she was living with. She had a job and she was making enough to pay her bills, but she kept coming to me uh, month after month, um, in need of a short-term loan. And she would just say, basically, you know, what I would hear from her is, Hey dad, my rent is due today and I don't get paid until, you know, two, three, four days into the future. And I need some help. And this happened enough where um, I began thinking more and more about her experience. And as a CFO, I had, I, you know, I was very familiar with payroll, but I hadn't really thought of the experience of payroll and how, you know, that mismatch in timing mm -hmm. of, you know, yeah. workers, they're, they're earning during the course of a payroll cycle. 
And um, however, they're not getting paid as fast. And so they're they're working and essentially they're a creditor to the creditor to their their business for sure during that time period. And what ends up happening is, you know, luckily for my daughter, and she um she doesn't really like me sharing the story. She she feels like she did something wrong. And <laughs> the reality is, you know, it wasn't anything that she did. It was just a failing on the part of payroll as a process. It doesn't really yeah. work for a lot of workers. And you know, it's as I the problem yeah, light. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, right. And, you know, when I began thinking more and more about this problem, it's more of a macro problem about how payroll works. And it doesn't work for a lot of uh, Americans. You know, uh, almost 80% of the U.S. workforce, they live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, so, sadly, that's true. Right. And they often find themselves in that same situation that my daughter found them, uh, herself in. And that's, you know, I, I haven't been paid yet. And there's this emergency bill. And what do I do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, over uh, half of the U.S. workforce, they don't have enough to save enough savings to really deal with those emergency moments when they're in between the pay cycle. And so what do they do? They either have to go to a friend or a family member or worst case scenario, go to a payday lender. And yeah. those, those situations just aren't aren't good. And so I began thinking Users more and more rates. about that problem and, you know, and how payroll works and, and if payroll could be sped up. Mm -hmm. And you could pay workers faster. And so I decided that was a problem I became passionate about solving and, and started every. So I'm thinking about two different, two different uh, scenarios here. One is almost like you're, you're covering the float, you know, you're covering that period of time between when it was earned right. and when it's actually paid, or you're actually speeding up the process itself of paying employees. That's, so, that's exactly which, it. Which is it a combination of those two or is it it's both? Yeah, it's both. So we we've um, we've sped up the, the the cycle from when the moment an administrator hits approve in the the software to when the the worker gets that money. Mm -hmm. So in our software, an administrator who's overseeing payroll, when they review and click the approve button, their employees can get their pay that same day, or they can get it in an instant. Um, so we have a few different options for uh, payments to go from point A to point B. Um, we have the ability to push money through the ACH network, which mm -hmm. and is same day, so it arrives within hours. We also have the ability to push money through the card network rails, which shows up in an instant. And we have, or soon we'll have, there, there's going to be a launch here pretty soon of a pay card where you can push that money instantly into a pay card for the, the worker. And they can have access immediately to those funds. So when you say pay card, am I thinking in terms of like Venmo or are you thinking in terms of like it's a like a prepaid debit card? I mean, what when you yep. use that word card, what do you mean? Uh, a, a prepaid card. Yeah. Well, I can actually show you one of those. Those who are watching can see it's it looks like that. So it's just like a debit card that you would otherwise um, use from your bank. So it gets pushed right to that directly to that card. And then so you, just, just asking, you solved the, the entire process, the entire, um, I guess, path or journey, or are you utilizing elements along the journey? Are you losing, utilizing the Venmo or the Stripe or whatever during, are you using banks or no. using, are you everything within the, you can't. We are. Everything? Yeah, we are. Other than using like the ACH network or the card right. network rails or in the instance of pushing to a pay card you have to use you know a processor and a bank mm -hmm. and so we, we we utilize those um 
different uh, enablers. However, everything that we built is, is ours. And we do all the tax calculations. So think of like ADP or Paychex or Paylocity and some of the like more traditional payroll companies. Um, we do all the tax calculations and the tax filings like you would see um, from those businesses. So we're a full service, but we just do everything what I would consider faster. Yeah. And there's like a, a dirty little secret in, secret in payroll that most people don't know. They um, they actually make money on the float. So the inverse of what we do, they, mm -hmm. they're incentivized to move slowly yep. and sit on the cash. And if you go to any of their public filings, when you look at their financial statements, you'll see in the revenue section, there's uh, a segment called interest income, and that's the income they earn off of sitting off, sitting on the money and then investing that money and, you know, earning some interest off of it. So they're incentivized to move slow. And that's sort of a norm that ex has existed in the payroll world that not mo most people know. Mm -hmm. um, we actually built our company right from the start to do things differently and to do the inverse of it. So not only have we sped up like the experience of payroll and the process of payroll, um, but we also, like I mentioned um, earlier, describing our business, for companies that don't have the cash flow to enable that speed of payment, paying the workers, if it's every day, we actually offer them credit. So we'll push those payments to their workers on a credit facility that we have that will allow um, them to pay their workers daily and it builds up a credit balance with us that ultimately gets repaid at the end of a, a pay period. Mm -hmm. But um, for businesses that don't have the cash flow or the the balance sheet to really support paying uh, their workers faster, we can help them with that too. Yeah, but but they built in the into their business process. They built up by the end of the month. I will have that money in hand. I just don't have it on a exactly a, daily. Like it, it's you know. That's it's, right. I, I invoice today, but I'm not going to get paid for 60 days. So I've got to cover that, you know, that period of time or whatever it is. But that's right. Um, it, it's interesting. The The model itself, is it built on a, like a transactional basis? Like there's just a small, you know, transaction fee that happens, or is it built on, you know, you're paying for the service? Or are you paying interest on the money that, you know, your, your loan, it's almost like a short-term loan you're making to them, you know, or to, on it's that a great question. Basis. Yeah, great question. So most businesses, they're already paying for a payroll solution. Mm -hmm. and oftentimes we find that that solution that they're using is rather expensive. They just don't know it. And a lot of payroll companies make, when you look at their invoices, they don't make it very clear uh, as to like the actual cost that they, they have. But um, in most cases, it's rather expensive. So what we do is just replace that cost. So if you think of like a traditional payroll solution that they're already using, because you know, businesses have to pay their workers and they have sure. to do the tax remittances and the filings. And they usually leverage a payroll solution for that and they pay them for that. We just replace that. Um, so it's, we've built our, our model that it's per employee per month or per transaction, depending on the type of business. So where we found um, a lot of success is, uh, and where I would say like our, our fit is strongest is with companies that have uh, a lot of 1099 contractors. Mm -hmm. So think of like gig companies or yep. delivery or pest or solar or staffing. That's where they have a lot of contractors and they want to pay them as they earn it or when they finish right. a delivery or finish a job and want to pay them immediately. Um, that's something where there's just a really good fit for our, our product. Yeah. And we do, we do, um, payroll uh, in its entirety. And so any business that wants to pay their workers faster and 
you know, it's a good tool um, from a retention standpoint or a recruiting standpoint. Uh, we do it all, but we we found that like the bet the best fit is on those heavy contractor businesses. Is is there a or has there been you know since you kind of you disrupted? I hate to overuse that term, but you disrupted the industry a little bit. Yeah. Has there been um, a learning curve for companies? I mean, do you have to go in and kind of sell them on the benefits, or do they just get it right away when you when you have a chance to really explain it? You know, that's been one of the more interesting um, learnings for myself. Um, Every's existed for about five years now. So about five years ago, I I found the business with a good co-founding team. I have a great team that that um, brought into the business early on. Um, you know, back in those days, I wasn't quite sure how long it would take for this this new idea of paying workers faster. How long it would set mm -hmm. in? Because back, you know, five years ago, it just was really not a, a concept that existed. And it's quite fascinating. It, it has evolved much more uh, rapidly than I expected it would. Um, almost immediately, you started to see um, like earned wage access become more um, prominent where workers can get part of their pay. Um, usually it's 50% and they have to pay a fee for it. So it's almost like a an easier, less expensive payday loan. Mm -hmm. and, and that's like earned wage access, which is not what we do. And so that start, they started spending a lot of marketing dollars driving the attention to the fact that employees don't get paid fast enough. And that's helped evolve the uh, more of a becoming more normal. So earlier when, you know, in the first year, I would say, uh, it was a lot of uh, education around mm -hmm. we were spending a lot of time having to explain and educate people around why it's important that employees get paid faster. And now it's just become more of a norm. Yeah. And I think the pandemic, going through the pandemic also helped that um, because um, a lot of workers used to be paid by paper checks. And we see that the pandemic um, sort of just kiboshed that whole right. um, getting paid in a paper check. People weren't in the office. And so getting paid via a paper check just wasn't really feasible anymore. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's just accelerated that whole notion of getting paid faster. And now what we see happening is um, inflation is really hot. And, you know, there's uh, workers are building up more of more on credit and are struggling a little bit more. And so yeah. money is becoming more in fo focus. And so businesses, I think, are really considering uh, their workers and their their health and how they're doing. And um, this has become more in focus. I mean, I mean, it's, it's not just a, a system and a process. It could be a, a like a fringe benefit, you know, to employees too. Oh, absolutely. To say, you know, we're, we can pay you earlier, you know, instead of the every two week period or once a month. But sure. Um, and before the pandemic, you saw like foosball tables and yeah pong tables and snack walls Bean and bags. all these things that were supposed right. to be the perks for employees. Right. And if your employees aren't going into the office as much or, yeah. you know, working remote, those kind of benefits don't really matter that much. Whereas if you're having a meaningful impact on somebody's financial life, that's, you know, it's definitely more impactful. Mm. And, and I mean, the gig economy kind of exploded during the pandemic as well. So, I mean, you certainly see that, that knock on effect, but yeah, I, absolutely. um, one question that that came to mind as you were kind of you know explaining the process is that yes it sounds like a great option to be able to pay to get paid early 
or to be able to pay my employees earlier or more frequently or whatever you want to call it. But it seems like that would also have a knock-on effect to like other processes, like HR processes and a, you know internal oh, accounting sure. and all kinds of those things. So is that kind of built in the model too? Do you help companies make that adjustment? Do you, you know, from their, what they did for a hundred years, you know, to, we got a new way of doing things here. Uh, we do. Yeah. We, we find that um, when businesses implement our software, it's a whole refresh and it, it allows them to um, speed up other processes that they have. And for example, like with onboarding and managing employees, we've made our app. So it's more, um, it's easier to use less heavy, like old, um, dusty payroll solutions where, you know, 10 clicks to do something that can be done in one or two clicks. Right. So our software has been built. So it's more consumer app, like feel very intuitive. You don't have to go to, uh, a training to use a module of the software. It's just all intuitive. You can light it up and, you know, it's just easy to use right from the start. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that to me would reduce the learning curve itself, you know, just as a whole. And if, if you could come in and, and tell me, you know, we're not only going to, uh, certainly your processes are going to change, but we're going to streamline them. You know, it's going to be easier for you after the fact, not, it's not gonna be the same. It's not gonna be more difficult. It's going to be exactly, you know, and so. you know, that that's really what to me innovation is about. And when you think about an entrepreneur, that's that's really what they do. They they find problems and friction in processes where they can really exploit it and uh, streamline things and make it easier. And, you know, I I'm old enough now that I, I think back in my life's experience. And when you think about any kind of uh you know, technology or process, uh, innovation just speeds it up. So like buying a, getting a movie, you know, back in the day, you'd have to go down to the blockbuster and pick yeah, it up exactly. and then have to drive back and hope, hopefully you're, you miss the late fee and get it back on time. And you get the one copy of the new release that's, you know, actually might be 10 copies out there. You hope you get one of those. And yeah. there's just a lot of friction in there. And I can think of numerous examples of how innovation has sped everything up and now you can just you know turn on your tv and order a movie and there you go and mm -hmm. it's just really um, speedy and frictionless and i think in payroll we're going to see that and you know eventually it's going to become a norm to pay workers instantly or every day much faster cycle than has been seen over the last few decades right right i i've uh I've just got one more question about kind of every in the process. And then I, I really want to kind of drill down on you, the individual, you know, sure. what you, things you've learned about, you know, just running your own company. But so it's interesting you talk about the companies, you know, having to deal with cash flow issues. But if you're offering this service, you've got to have worked that out yourself. So you have to have the cash available on demand when, you know, when that is, when it, it's needed. So, how did you how did you crack that nut from the from the beginning on, you know, if we're going to kind of cover these or float these, you know, these payday, you know, opportunities sure. or whatever front and front load them or whatever. How did you kind of conquer that as well? Yeah, that it's interesting because we've innovated on the software experience and also we've done financial innovation that hasn't really been cracked yet. Um, I would say that. Um, my background as a CFO helped in that regard, knowing that there was going to there were going to be businesses out there that didn't have the cash flow or the balance sheet to to pay their workers every day. I just knew that was going to be a problem. 
And uh, lucky for, for me, I have a good co-founder team member. Um, his name's Tyler Pluger. And again, we have some, we have a really strong team, a great group of individuals on the technology side and finance side and operation side. We just uh, started the business out uh, just with a great group of people. But we, um, we innovated financially right from the start too. And essentially we're, we're able to um, work with a, a banking partner um, to build this credit facility that would allow us to lend off of um, payroll uh, as collateral right. and right. the company um, paying their, their payroll. So there's a lot that goes into that. And I don't want to kind of dive into that. We could spend a lot of time focusing there, but just know that we, we've innovated there and we've mm -hmm. done something that's very unique in the space and built a solution that is not only um, speedy, but very scalable. Mm -hmm. So I see you asked a question now, I've got to, or you said something now, I've got to ask another follow-up sure. question. So <laughs> to me, that would, and I'm thinking back in the, especially, you know, let's say from 2000, maybe 19 to 21, 2020 to 22, <laughs> there was a lot of private equity money out there. Mm -hmm. Sure. This looks like it would be kind of attractive to, a firm that had just oh, sure. cash, you know, as sure. well that said, you know what, I can, I can kind of work on that float a little bit, you know, that, that almost that arbitrage, you know, interest sure. that, that is, you know, kind of this revolving, I'll, I'll offer you a revolving line of credit and you just keep, we'll just keep rolling the money over. And that's just it. And when we, when we started uh, doing this, it was just, no one, it was unheard of. It just didn't exist in the space. But when you think about it and we've proved it out, you know, it turns really fast. It turns every yeah. 14, 15 days. Loss rate is really, really low, incredibly low. And so when you think about, um, like you mentioned, private equity or any any lender, you know, something that turns fast, mm -hmm. that has a very low loss rate, yeah. um, good interest rates, very attractive. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to scale nicely and has proven out, which has been one of those very satisfying moments for me as an entrepreneur. Does it matter the company? I mean, do you do you have to do due diligence on these companies to make we sure do. that they have cash sure. flow and yeah? Yeah, we in, in the onboarding process, and there there is a process to onboard any customer. You have to go through your know your customer KYC checks. Mm -hmm. uh, in in the instances where we do um, the credit side of it, and some companies don't need the credit; it's just an option for them to enable it if they need it. Uh, we underwrite them and and. You know, we either approve them or don't approve them, but they have to go through an underwriting cycle, just as any, you know, getting any type of credit facility would require. I, uh, I, I mean, every everything you mentioned causes me to, to ask, you know, I have five questions lined up in my mind, but I, I really do want to honor your time and I want to honor that our listeners that that uh, that are less focused on kind of the financial side of things and the process of, of every but more thinking okay, you know, I'm sitting in a cube somewhere, I'm going to start something, or I have just started something, I'm a little further behind on the journey. Um, sure. I really want to to hear things that are a little more, you know, generic and a little more agnostic, you know, when mm -hmm. we talk about, about just leadership and being a founder. But I'm curious, mm -hmm. you know, you, you were a CFO, worked probably with other, you know, firms before you, you took the leap. What was it like that first day that, you know, that you walked out on a Friday as a CFO and you woke up Monday morning and you're, <laughs> you're, you're the, the CEO founder or president founder or whatever sure. of this new company? Scary. It was incredibly scary. 
you know, I, I, um, I was always anticipating that I would play a role. I, I wouldn't consider myself um, a typical entrepreneur. I don't fit that mold. You know, way back in business school, um, I went through an MBA program and I had this, I took this entrepreneurship class and I would, you know, each week the, te- the instructor would bring in these entrepreneurs and they would tell their story. And, you know, what I saw as common in entrepreneurs is they have these bigger than life personalities and they're very <laughs> energetic and dynamic, extroverted. And I just, back then, just, that was not me. And so I always felt like I would just fit a role and play a part in building companies. And, you know, what I found over the years and, you know, what helped me in my journey is each business that I uh, was in, you know, as a leading the finance team or being a CFO, I progressively went from um, larger into smaller and smaller companies. And so the whole, you know, fear of growing a business and being in an early stage business sort of dissipated over time, just became more common. And, you know, behind the scenes, every business has its challenges. And so I became just very comfortable in dealing with those kind of challenges. So that leap you know, when I started every, it just didn't seem as scary as it otherwise would have. Um, still scary nonetheless, but less, less scary. Yeah. You got a whole different, I guess, level of responsibility on your, on your mind and on your shoulders. Now you're, you know, sure. I keep, I'm, I'm responsible for the payroll of my company now, not just my, I'm just mm-hmm. not doing a job and to the best of my abilities. So yeah. I, I've got a theory about entrepreneurs that there's really two types. And I think you kind of described them, you know, a little bit, mm-hmm. excuse me. The, um, I think there's one that says that was these, these people that they paraded in front of your MBA class that said, you know, Hey, I, I think about ideas all the time. I'm an idea generation machine. I'm a serial mm-hmm. entrepreneur. I would, it doesn't really matter. I could, I could be doing something today and I'll be doing something tomorrow and I'll, I, I can, I'm really good at starting stuff. I'm terrible at maintaining it. <laughs> I'm terrible sure. at keeping it running. And it would bore me to tears if I did this longer than, you know, two sure. to three years. And you've got the second set that says that maybe not even recognize themselves as entrepreneurs. Maybe they're just business founders. Maybe they're just starters. They're just CEOs. They're leaders that say, mm-hmm. you know what? This is a good idea. And if we really put our nose to the grindstone, work hard as a team, enjoy the journey, do the right things this will benefit us and it will have a long tail, you know, it'll have a long success record. Do you feel like you've kind of been in both of those camps at any given time, or are you really truly identify with kind of the second camp? You know, I would, I would say I'm stronger on the second camp. I would consider myself more of an operator, but you know, I, I think everybody has a desire to create and whether that's, stronger in some and maybe a little dimmer in others. I think there is this desire to create. Um, and so I think everybody has that ability to be an entrepreneur and whether they blend a little bit more from an operating standpoint or they're more visionary, I think there's a whole spectrum there and you can probably see see some that would fit more heavier, heavier on one side than the other. Um, however, like I, I to me, it's more of a team effort. It's less so um, about me or about the entrepreneur as it is building a su- successful business and building a successful team. And so I I learned early on and through my experiences in other businesses leading up to launching every that, you know, if you're focused on solving a problem instead of it being, you know, and I, and I see a lot of entrepreneurs kind of 
uh, missed the mark uh, on this, where it's more about making money or it's more about getting attention and focused on ego. And those things, um, they tend to wear off, especially when um, you know you go through the ebbs and flows of an entrepreneur's journey and, and in, in those low moments. And it's inevitable that you're gonna have those low, scary moments. If you're focused on the problem and solving a problem, it will help carry you through those, those uh, moments. And if you have more of a team-focused mm -hmm. effort, and you really incentivize your team, you're, you're generous with equity, and I have been with our team, our founding team in particular, and you build the, the right culture in your business, you're going to have a, a much better chance of success. Yeah. And again, so I, I just view it more as a team effort than it being like more of a soul focused on on the one entrepreneur. That to me is more dangerous than, than um, you know, kind of spreading the, the wealth and, and sharing in the, the journey. I mean, what's that old adage is, you know, 10% of a billion is a lot more than 50% of a million. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Even you know, in it's, a, it's, it's, you know, going on the entrepreneurship journey is stressful as it is. In, in my experience, it's just way better to um, have a team that you can, can rely on and that can kind of take some of those stressful moments off of your shoulders and help you yeah. problem solve. You know, entrepreneurs are, or uh, I've heard is, is described as uh, decision-making factories. I mean, you just have to make decisions. And on building a company, there's a million decisions that you need to make. And so if you have a really good team around you, it's just going to make that whole experience of it be a lot more successful yeah. and enjoyable. That, that is, uh, you may have answered my next question almost with some of those, but I want to give you a, a chance to really kind of hone in here. And just as we're wrapping up today, what what are one or two really salient points that that you would say man i wish i knew these you know five years ago when we started this that said that would have made a complete difference you know today what are one or two points that you think would be really helpful to kind of share with people that are a little further behind you on the journey you know i reflecting on my experience i a couple things i, I think uh and there a lot have of to people, be mistakes made or something. I mean, it could just be, these are just really good principles. You, sure. Um, I think a lot of people um, think it's much more challenging than it actually is. And they want to maybe spend too much time building an MVP or getting a product out there that where they can iterate off of it. And in the early days, our, our MVP product that that we launched with was very lean, but it was it allowed us to get it out into the market and start having uh, users interact with it and give us feedback and, you know, building a company is iterative. And so yeah. you're always learning and taking in that, that feedback and building, you know, something that's a tighter fit. And so I think a lot of people just think it's going to take too much capital and too much time to get there. Whereas, you know, they can start, you know, much, much leaner. So I think that's one learning. Mm -hmm. And then behind the scenes, um, you know, I haven't been in a business that hasn't faced difficult times and had problems. And I think maybe from an observer standpoint, they, they see a company and think incorrectly that, you know, the business is everything, you know, has solved everything and is perfect. And that's just not the case. And so it's normal to have challenges and experience really difficult, um, rough patches when you're growing a business. It's just normal. And so I don't think a lot of people realize that. Um, I, I think those would be some, some learnings that I would say might be helpful to others. 
Uh, for sure. I, I, as you were talking that that second point, I was thinking of the, you know, the, the little um, kind of the meme about the duck, you know, he, does he, the top of him on the water, he, he seems so smooth and serene, but underneath <laughs> his feet are moving like a motorboat. <laughs> oh, for sure. And that's how it is. The experience of building a company, it's, there's so much that happens behind the scenes and so much, um, you know, so many problems that you have to solve and it's just normal. It's part of the experience. Just be ready, but don't look behind the curtain. <laughs> there you go. And Ron, thank you so much for just taking time today and just sharing your story. And, and I mean, what a great company you're building with a great concept and really, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people out there making a lot of money from silly stuff. And it sounds like that you are really uh, solving a problem that is a genuine problem and, and it has a, a knock-on benefit to not only companies, but, but the, the employees that they value so highly. And it's just really neat to uh, be able to just hear the story. And man, thanks for just sharing all the, the wisdom and the nuggets that we had, especially there at the end, and really just playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Ron, have a great weekend. Thanks, Kim. Appreciate the conversation. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Make sure you follow up with our guests today and show them the support they deserve. As always, thank you for listening and playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide.